Good evening, time being seven o'clock. I call the September 7th, 2022 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 929-205-6099 and the Zoom ID is 846-6956-5593 and then you need to hit pound. So once again, the Zoom ID is 846-6956-5593-POUND. If residents are just interested, just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. interested in watching the meeting it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV citizens comments citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda the council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens comments the town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay, is there anyone out there in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Not seeing anyone. Alicia, do you? No. Okay, moving on. 
Uh, approval of the minutes. We have one set of minutes from July 20th, 2022. I'd entertain a motion to approve. So moved. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, proclamations, recognitions, we have none this evening. No appointments, no hearings. Uh, no license transactions. And we'll move right to presentations and discussions. Tonight we're uh, happy to welcome uh, our Dean College, the new president of Dean College, Kenneth Elmore, and the new chancellor, Edward Augustus. Please come forward. And welcome. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and uh, members of the council. Certainly both appreciate the opportunity to come and introduce ourselves formally to you all and uh, to the town of Franklin as a whole. Uh, we've been here about two months and uh, just welcomed all of our students back within the last two days, which of course, as you well know, were the two rainiest days of the year so far. That's quite a start. But it was a very good, smooth uh, welcome back to our student body and everybody's excited to be back on campus and back here in Franklin. And, we're looking forward to a great year. Uh, this is our freshman year uh, in our walls uh, <coughs> college. Just quickly by way of, of background, uh, prior to uh, being named chancellor uh, back at the end of May, uh, I served on the Board of Trustees for the college for nine years. So I've had an opportunity for these past nine years to come to Franklin often for board meetings, and, you know, attend uh, different events on campus. And, have really appreciated uh, the relationship that the college has always had with the town and uh, kind of, uh, I think, joint kind of sense of what each other do for uh, each institution. And uh, prior to that, I had a lot of opportunities to interact with Franklin when I served as Chief of Staff to Congressman Jim McGovern, and he had the opportunity to represent Franklin. So I spent a lot of time here with the congressman uh, working with the town and the community at large on various projects. Uh, my most immediate uh, preceding job was the city manager of Worcester for the last eight and a half years. So uh, I know what you all deal with on a day in and day out basis, having done it uh, in the city of Worcester for the past eight and a half years, and certainly appreciate all of the challenges that municipal government has to face and deal with the interests that you try to balance, um, the voices you try to hear and accommodate, and, and how to plan for the the future of this community and we really want to come and just pledge to be partners with you uh, in that journey as you try to serve the residents of Franklin and you know plan for the future we want you to know that we're here to be partners uh, with you all uh, to support you in any way we can uh, and really to make our campus you know open to the community it really is a great opportunity to live close to a college campus and uh, all of the activities and the speakers and the events that we really welcome uh, you all as well as the town uh, residents as a whole and and we want to look for ways to create more opportunities to bring people on campus uh, to really enjoy all the things that we're offering to our students and ways to bring our students into the community 
to support local businesses, to do internships, to volunteer, to support organizations, and to be good citizens, good residents of this community uh, and do our, our part. Uh, so we've had an opportunity to meet with the town administrator who uh, was kind enough to bring some of the department heads together uh, and get a chance just to talk about day-to-day -day issues and share contact information so we all know how to get a hold of each other as issues may arise or opportunities arise that we've kind of built those relationships and you know we're hoping to extend uh, an invitation to all of the elected officials to come to campus and get to know folks in an informal way as well uh, before uh, the fall gets along too far here. So again, we wanted to say thank you for allowing us to come, introduce ourselves, and just really look forward to working with you all. And I'll turn it over to our president, uh, Councilor Well, I'm just gonna say, well said, Ed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take any questions you might have. <laughs> well, just, just by way of just quick background, uh, I spent, an, I'm the little arts guy to this whole thing. I spent, <laughs> spent a number of years uh, working in a big urban private university in Boston. Uh, and I, uh, too, have a good understanding of what it means to run a large institution, but also something akin to a city. I, in effect, was sort of a deputy mayor of a 42,000 um, resident population. So I get it, and I know what you got to do and what you have to work with and deal with. Uh, I, I also spent some time uh, as a lawyer, and um, it all has come in very handy. My specialty is law, law scholarship, and psychology, and um, I'm looking forward to also being a part of the community and engaging the community as well. It's a little quiet around here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a city boy. Me yeah. <laughs> too. Exactly. Well, and we you know, like, Ed and uh, the Pawtucket Red Sox are now list of that. This isn't broadcast in Rhode Island. <laughs> no, but I'll take it there tomorrow. <laughs> Just far enough. Yeah. Uh, questions, comments from the council. Councilor Hamlet. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, through the chair to Kenneth and um, Edward, right? Uh, um, thank you so much for being here. I think um, I'm very excited to start this new relationship with Dean and the town. Um, we do have some issues sometimes with parking and things like that and um, students and, and with some of the students, but I feel like you want to know about it and you care about it. And um, I'm just really glad that you're here. I also am the chair of the Economic Development Subcommittee and I think we can work together to kind of maybe um, make some other things happen as well. So thank you so much for being here. You know, no I questions, could, just if like. I, <laughs> if I could give a Sure, comment. please. Um, I, I was talking to uh, a business owner or some residents and one of the things that they had mentioned was they felt that sometimes Dean had a moat around it. And you know, my whole point was, well, now it's time for Ed and I to drop the bridge, drop the bridge and let's extend a little bit in terms of that and not be so isolated. As Ed mentioned, uh, we want to make sure that we are doing that kind of work to both engage Franklin, but have Franklin engage with us too. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, you know, what you say is the tr is absolutely the truth. Like I walk down the street, like I'm at, at the library, and then I look across into that beautiful green right. in front of Dean, in front of your 
call there. I'm like, should I go in there? Can I go in there? Yes. But I'm now I'm gonna go. And you know, I want you to come in, take your shoes off, run around that grass. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And take a walk down the poppy way. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Councilor Frangelo. I'll just follow up on, on that. Thank you again for coming. I look forward to getting to know uh, both of you better. Um, on that note, uh, I was, I was going to say something along those lines in, in terms of there, there being a mode around. I was wondering, uh, you know, we know that we benefit from having you guys in town, right? It, it's a, it's a uh, attractive space. Uh, it uh, brings people to keep our businesses uh, going, it brings some some youth that uh, we um, unfortunately lack often as, as as residents. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I, I don't have many friends around here. <laughs> I love more. <laughs> um, but I was I was wondering where you, where you guys see uh, the value of Franklin. I mean, do you see um, certainly the, an attractive and, and vibrant downtown as? A, uh, important to your ability to attract and retain students? I would just say I think it's critical um, in just in our efforts to try to make sure we're engaging tomorrow morning at 8.30 on our campus. We're hosting the downtown partnership. I'm on the program to speak to those folks for the first time and I know we've been good partners with that. And I think there's a lot of potential to strengthen and grow that relationship. Uh, it, uh, it really should be a boon to bring 1,100 plus students to the town in the last couple of days, some of whom have got disposable income who are gonna support the restaurants and the shops here in town. And you know, as we have homecoming and we have our investiture ceremony later in the fall and other opportunities to bring other visitors who are gonna be staying in hotel rooms, spending money, and really finding the charm of, of Franklin. And, you know, wanting to come back and explore and spend more time and tell other people and do those Instagram moments that spread uh, the marketing of Franklin as a community to wider audiences. I think uh, we've probably only scratched the surface of what is possible uh, in terms of our relationship. In the city of Worcester, we had 35,000 college students who called Worcester home. Uh, and when I talked to developers in the city of Worcester, it was in my first paragraph. Uh, we're the home of WPI and Holy Cross and Worcester State University. And every one of them already knew that. That's why they were visiting with us, because it was an opportunity to access the talent pipeline that all of those colleges were producing that they needed to grow their business, that they needed to compete with you know, folks around the world. And so I think we can play that same role here in Franklin. How do we make sure that businesses that you're trying to attract to expand the tax base and create jobs know that you've got a talent kind of pipeline right here with Dean College. Uh, and so I think this over the course of the years coming up, we want to work together about who you're courting, how we can help complement the story, how we can help pitch uh, our contribution to the story of Franklin and where it's going as a community. And most certainly, uh, you know, from the standpoint of getting students to be here, I mean, I think that there could be a little bit of both worlds that it's important for us as we are starting to go out in our admission cycle to talk to folks. 
as Ed said, we, th there's charm. I mean, this is classic New England. This is the stuff out of movie sets on some levels, but also combine that with a real vibrancy um, and uh, I think a bit of an artsiness that's important here. Uh, they all work hand in hand and it is something where we can attract students to be here. Um, this is the kind of thing when people think of college, they think of Dean College. That's the kind of environment that they want and we want to make sure that we've got ideal uh, academic and relevant uh, academic programs, but also a good downtown, because we're right there, uh, but a, and a classic one as well. Awesome, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Any other, Councilor Colonial Ledger? Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and welcome, gentlemen. It's, uh, it's nice to see you both. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware that uh, Dean College is part of our Franklin Cultural District. Um, yeah, it's right. it's yeah. nice to see both your heads nod. So I would love, I would love to see going forward, you know, more opportunities for the college to really work with our cultural district, work with our cultural council, figure out ways to share arts opportunities here in town. Are you coming to the festival on Saturday? We'll be there. That's that's awesome. I look forward to seeing you there. I know the organizers have worked very hard expecting over 8,000 people at that event. So it's just a great opportunity to showcase how we can maybe do more, especially with all the arts programs that you have. So just wanted to say welcome and thank you for being here and look forward to the future. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cormier Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Three, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, uh, President Elmore and um, Chancellor Augustus for coming in got a really good vibe from you guys we appreciate that because I, I know a lot of people have said nice things so far I have not always been the biggest fan of Dean so I'm glad that I feel that I can just if we need to call you you'll handle things I, I heard you mention you had a meeting with some of the department heads like the usual things that have always been a problem the parking the kids in the crosswalk you know not stopping for that and just a general noise for the neighbors. So I just, I'm glad that we can call you about those things. Um, did anything else come up at that meeting that we should be uh, aware of that you're working on? Or, like I was talking about the crosswalk, the parking, and just, you know, just noise for the neighbors. I mean, it was a really, I think, wide-ranging brainstorming session about ways that we might work together. The librarian was there. She was very engaged with us about ideas of programming and how do we help tell our joint history together. And you know, are there opportunities when you know you may have an overflow need or your hours at the library don't uh, meet everybody in town's needs we could provide some opportunities on campus for residents and so we're going to explore all of those types of things so i thought it was a really great kind of brainstorming session on, on the issue of town gown relationship it's always you know one that ebbs and flows you've got new students some number of new students each year that have to be acclimated to their new sense of freedom their new surroundings the new expectations I might mention that before I was city manager I was the director of government community relations at Holy Cross and those of you who are familiar with the area Holy Cross has several hundred students who live a block away from the campus in private housing which we don't have here in Franklin at Dean and that has often created a situation where there's a lot of folks, particularly on the weekends, migrating off campus to those off-campus homes. And 
there were issues with that back and forth during the course of the weekend. And, you know, we ended up getting a very good place. And one of the tools we used is we created this Holy Cross College Hill Neighborhood Association that we hosted on the college campus every month where all of the neighbors came, many of the elected officials from the area came, college officials came, and sometimes it was just chatting about what was going on and opportunities, and sometimes it was, hey, this is going on, we need to try to fix and solve and get ahead of. But it was that dialogue, it was that relationship, it was that regular meeting that we got to know each other and we got to be in a problem-solving, problem-preventing kind of mode. And so it's our hope to create a similar situation where we invite some of the abutters, all of you who's ever interested, uh, just to come and, and check in once a month, have a meeting, have some coffee, get to know each other, and try to be good neighbors to each other. And just like any neighbors, sometimes you, you rub each other the wrong way, but you try to fix it quickly, be in communication, and, and I think that's what we're hoping to do uh, going forward. And um, lastly, this is something I've brought up a couple times with the past president um, to no avail. I wouldn't expect an answer because I don't feel like this is an ambush. Maybe you could just jot it down as something to think about. But both being from two cities, you know what the pilot program is, payment in lieu of taxes. So I'm always thinking about that, whether even if we just made some sort of arrangement where we got an electric car, anything to help the town, you know, just something to think about. Please just jot it down. No answer expected on that right now, obviously. But thank you, and hopefully we can work well together. That's good. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Pellegrini. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I too would like to welcome you here. Uh, we've had a good relationship with Dean College. Yes, we've had a few little flaws, as my fellow counselors have said, but we've tried to work them all up together. I love the idea of um, having a neighborhood get together once a month or once every other month just so that they, the neighbors, feel involved with what's going on, all right, instead of them all coming here and venting to us, all right? And then we have to have another meeting and invite Dean in in order to, you know, um, go along and see what we can do about things. But um, we're very happy to meet you. I would personally like to invite you to the museum here in town. We have our own, <coughs> excuse me, museum that we have a lot of artifacts and that from Dean College too. So please stop by and again, welcome. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Councilor DeLorco. Thank you. I too would uh, like to welcome in. It seems like you're gonna, we're gonna have a good relationship. I'm kind of like with Councilor Chandler, I never really had a good relationship with Dean. Um, and matter of fact, I'm glad about the neighborhood meetings because I think it was two days ago or three days ago, I got stopped at Star Market getting yelled at about the parking already. And I don't even know people were there. <laughs> I got yelled at already, so. Uh, so I, I so <laughs> So I'm kind of glad that, we, you know, we, we never could bring, if we never got Dean together with the neighborhood. So uh, to me, uh, that, that seems to be a, a great idea. And uh, should take a little pressure off of us too if we can get you guys to come. I'll go. I have no problem going, but you guys are with me. I appreciate that. Okay. And welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Councilor DeLorco. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. 
Um, first off, Ed, Ken, Ken um, it was a pleasure having lunch with you guys at the school. So, uh, I honestly have to say, um, one of the best employees that you have is Sandra, who, who put the meeting together. Um, she's quite literally, like I was joking earlier about the backbone or something, she's, she's, she is quite truly one of the backbones of the President's office. It's nice to just reach out to her and make contact with both of you and have lunch with you at the school. One of the things that I pointed out when we, during our luncheon um, was a simple observation that, that I've felt being in the neighborhood myself is that, like for instance, if I say Stores, Connecticut, you can almost pretty much figure out that's Yukon because Stores, Connecticut and Yukon are almost intertwined with one another. Uh, Dean is a college that's in a town, but this is not a college town. And that's always kind of bothered me. You know, I've always wanted Franklin and the, in the school to kind of, for the most part, gel together to the point where this is, for all intents and purposes, a college town. It should feel like a college town, be a college town. And Dean should kind of reach out a little bit more into the community so that, hey, you get your name out there and we as a community can support you. And of course, there are other there are logistical things that need to be associated with that. For instance, what what level of the town supports you? And of course, I think so eloquently as Councillor Jim pointed out, is how well could you support us and make this relationship? Because really, Councillor Lorca pointed out the best. This is a relationship. And I really, really hope that this is the first of many opportunities that we have as a community, as a college, to get together and, and discuss how we can build upon that relationship in order to in order to benefit both. I mean, really, I, I had always seen so much more opportunity than had, had come had come of the past, uh, you know, 15, 20 years. A lot has come out of the past 10 or 15 years, but I just see so much more. And I hope um, working with you both will have this opportunity to make things grow. Um, and yes, uh, you, I wasn't kidding. I said you're welcome to come by and have some something on my porch. But um, I appreciate you coming out so quickly regarding the, you know, you had the students move in the past couple of days. It's raining out, and you have such a busy schedule coming up in the fall, and just trying to get your feet wet yourselves um, as freshmen. You've got a lot to, to cover in such a short period of time. But um, again, anything I can do, we can do as a, as a town. By all means, this is, I think, the beginning of a great relationship. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Jones. He's never invited us for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Councillor Sheridan. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you and welcome. And I've had, I live across the street from Dean and had a great, I've always had a great experience with the students. And it was kind of nice to see him come back this year after two years of COVID. It was kind of refreshing to see energy back in the neighborhood. So thank you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Sheridan. Uh, just a couple of uh, quick comments. Uh, I, I grew up directly across the street from the original science building, which is that little round building right next to the current science uh, hall. Uh, so very familiar with Dean growing up. I think uh, to some of my fellow counselors' uh, points, I think in the recent past anyway, uh, I just believe that there hasn't been that welcoming feeling uh, at the college for uh, the citizens. Uh, I think 
we did. I did get a chance uh, to meet with both of you a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we we had some great discussions, and I think uh, a lot of the things that you were talking about that uh, I think are are great for our community is opening the doors over there. Uh, you know, uh, sharing our libraries. Uh, just the opportunities that I'm not sure that many people in the community are aware of the opportunities for stu for our students uh, that might be opportunities at the college. And I know you spoke uh, you spoke of them as well. So uh, I just see this as really uh, uh, a great start to what I know we all hope will be a great relationship going forward. And I know our town administrator had a couple of comments that he wanted to make, so I will. Uh, uh, through you, Mr. Chair, just really quickly on the uh, point of uh, department heads, uh, we brought over uh, about eight or nine of the ones that really interact very closely with Dean, Chief of Police, Fire Chief, uh, et cetera. Uh, and I'm glad to know out of all the requests, for those in the meeting, Bruce was there, for those that the library director stuck up because I asked every department head to come in with maybe one, possibly two things that you know they thought were the high level work we could do together. Like the fire chief has talked about building the relationship between the fire department and their paramedic program, mm -hmm. giving the students some runs and some opportunities there, right, post COVID. Uh, but Felicia asked for three or four things, uh, as you would expect, uh, and they were all warmly. <laughs> Once you give her the full floor, it's, you know you got to see how it works out. But um, you know, one of the things that was key was I never heard the word no, and so every department had an item or two, and the answer was always yes, or we could do that, or let's partner again on this. We'll further this conversation. Let's look into it. Um, and I think that um, with the ideas of the Neighborhood Association and working with the Cultural District, um, I'm really confident that the items that we brought forward are gonna be able to work well uh, with the college together, and I'm uh, obviously thrilled that both of them are here. As all of you know on the council level uh, and uh, at Dean College, all of our department heads and staff have had a phenomenal relationship with all of their staff, um, and so uh, we're looking forward to a great relationship. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Is there Anyone in the council chambers that uh, has a question or comment? Mr. Falvey, please, could you, how, could how, you just come, how up, many, the can you come <laughs> up to the mic and just identify yourself, name and address, please. Yeah. Frank Falvey, 920 Pond Street. How many cars is Dean going to pay for with the, the charge that you're charging them on the runoff water? The fee that you're going to charge for runoff, stormwater, stormwater, storm water, Frank, stormwater, stormwater. Storm 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 so I think the uh, what's the question, Frank? How many cars are they going to pay for because of the fee they have to pay? I think to oh, Councillor Chandler's uh, Chan question about uh, you know the pilot program and what. I believe Mr. Falvey is saying is how can they afford to do that? Approximately, the, the fee, I'm um, estimating, so just I'm looking over at the DPW staff. <laughs> and we estimate the fee for Dean would probably be around a quarter of a million dollars. Right. And as we've talked about with stormwater right. throughout all this process, obviously that affects every property owner in town. 
Um, some of their buildings will get credits for sure under the credit policy because they built the buildings well after the stormwater bylaw was put forth in 2008. So some of their facilities clearly comply and, um, and they're very energy efficient. Some of them are obviously older uh, and so those buildings would obviously uh, be, uh, would not be eligible for credits. But it's a, roughly about a quarter of a million dollars. Thank you, Jim. Is there anyone else in the audience that, uh, in the council chambers that has a question or a comment? Is there anyone out in Zoom land that has a question or a comment? Well, guys, you get off easy tonight. <laughs> Just want to say thank you very much for reaching out and uh, asking to come before us. Uh, I think it's a great start, and I uh, just look forward to a continued great relationship with Dean College. Thank you for your time. Thank you all. Thank you. Okay, next item on the agenda is another discussion item, and it's drought conditions. <laughs> After two days of solid rain, <laughs> timing's everything for our EPW director, Bruce uh, Canareggi, and I think Ed Martin from Water and Sewer. Brutus. Thank you, Mr. Welcome Chair. once again. I know. Um, yeah, it is kind of ironic that we got <coughs> almost four inches. Right? Uh, yeah, three point nine six. Yeah, almost, almost, almost four, almost four inches. Yeah. Really? And we, I think everybody knows that uh, we need it, and uh, it's good. It's um, just here we are right now. You know, the, the state because of our permit, we're technically in a um, a drought level three, which is a critical level. So what that means is I think everybody's aware at home is that, you know, basically hand watering and some stuff that goes on for guards, but no outdoor, outdoor watering lawns or something like that. So um, that's what that's been for a while. There are um, a bunch of folks been today at the state level and I've got some recommendations. We might obviously go down, uh, but the, until the secretary signs off on that, we're still at uh, level three. And then just an overview, it's like we got a lot of rain but um, it still takes a while. We're, you know, we're a groundwater community. It's not like we have a big pond that fills up or a reservoir. So it does take a, a lot of that is runoff and was brought before stormwater because it comes down so quick, so fast, that you know it makes it a mine broken down to the Charles River. So um, it does take a while to you know percolate into the ground. And you know I can say this summer um, uh, our drawdowns have not been critical. We've been pretty good. Um, I'll touch on some of that. Um, um, but part of the program, we, we had, and I think I always make the joke, I hate doing, we were the water police this summer. Um, we issued about 350 warning notices to folks out there. Um, we, we, have, we don't find anybody. A lot of it's just public education. Some people just don't know. Some people do know. Um, we also get a lot of help from some residents like to call about their neighbors. You know, they, that, we really appreciate that. And we go out and investigate all those. Um, but you know, we don't like doing that, so we try to get the word out. I think everybody sees that we have our signs around town, um, we do the, the, the boards, and we do a lot of outreach through social media. So it's, uh, it's been pretty good. And I will say, um, the residents of Franklin have done a really good job. It's particularly, I always say, when we had the plant fire a couple years ago, we went to a full water van. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't a state-required thing, but you know, people paid attention, and you know, our average daily use dropped a million gallons a day. 
and it's pretty similar what happened to some real yeah it, right away when we when we instituted the full water band uh, we could see it in our tank levels you know usually during the day they would they would fall uh, but we were either holding steady or, or gaining during the day so um, that's a credit to the residents for actually you know for listening and, and and uh, obeying the uh, water band notes. So yeah, they we appreciate it. Yeah, we do because it's you know it's, it's a community thing. We all have to we have to go along with it. Um, I will say it is kind of amazing. We had a couple of rainstorms over the last two weeks, and uh, you know there was some brown lawns. I mean, if you had a green one, I would think it almost be embarrassing. Cause, <laughs> you know, cause, I mean, if you were really small, they were brown. And uh, but it's, you know you come back out and a couple of weeks later, just like we say, you know grass goes dormant, it gets the water, the lawns. You know, there's, there's obviously dead areas, don't get me wrong, but they recovered pretty well. So I think that's pretty good. And the other thing I want to throw out there was the, uh, you know, Donnie and I have talked about it quite a bit with the, you know, the, the, the town making the commitment to the, the Grove Street uh, water treatment plan. Um, we would have been in really big trouble without that this year, just because, you know, the groundwater's there, but we couldn't take it out. We couldn't take it out with the iron and manganese problem. So even though we were in a drought, we were able to keep going with our wells because yeah. You know, it's been a game changer yeah, for the town. Definitely for the town. It's a great investment, you know, made by the council and the town, and, and uh, it's helped out a lot. Because even in the past, you know, I've had to come at different times and have, um, you know, outside our permit requirements. I, you know, we've actually had full water bands. I remember I did in March one time mm -hmm. because we had to, just because we, you know, we couldn't keep up for whatever. So, um, but. Yeah, the, the Grove Street has really been a game changer for the town. So yeah, we're we're doing pretty good with that, you know. But we still have to be in a conservation. I don't want people to walk away from it. It's like, oh yeah, we should be watering all the time. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but um, it, it has really helped us out during this drought. So, and just speaking of the conservation plan, I'd like to use this time as just to note, like, you know, the reason why we have it is uh, it's part of our permit, right? So. Um, it's not like every year we want to uh, put out a conservation restriction. It's in our permit. It's uh, you know we're trying to be good citizens of of, uh, of the land and uh, make sure that there is water there still uh, for the streams and, and whatnot. So um, just want to make sure that everyone understands that. <laughs> so it's kind of a brief overview. If anybody's any more specific questions about permitting or water, you know where we're at with different things. More, more, more. Hopefully the rain barrels are now full. Uh, <coughs> they should be. We're doing another big uh, distribution tomorrow, by the way. So uh, it's a very popular That's why program. I just figured I'd lead into that for you. Throw you uh, a little softball there. Uh, before I go to the council, just one question for me because it, I, I know it comes up yeah. uh, frequently from a, from a lot of people. And that's well water use, and what are the restrictions, and what are not the, you know, uh, can the town ban uh, well water use, or how does how do how do our water bans affect the well waters? You talk about the private, the residents' private well, private well, private well. So. The, the state does not regulate the use of private wells. And we're regulated by the state DEP, so they can put the regulations on it, you know, particularly a well, how much, they, every well we have has an ID number, it says how many gallons per minute you can take out of it. Every well has how much you can take all year out of it, okay? 
private wells do not have that, whether it's a drinking water well, whatever. So even when the secretary says, you know, water ban, it does not affect private wells. That's the way the statute reads. So um, we can't regulate that. Now, um, you know, I don't know how else to say it. You know, on one hand, we've heard obviously like a lot of you, you know, I paid my money, I put my well in, I want to be able to, you know, do my water. But then you can also say on the other side is a sense of community where we're all in the same aquifer. So, um, you know, we're, we're, I don't want <laughs> So, you know, guilt, I don't know, or some people think it is a right. You know, it, it's a tough thing for us to do. But I do want to remind folks, you know, a lot of the, when we went out to, um, you know, see people watering or we did our, our monitoring, you know, remind folks they're supposed to have a sign out. You know, some people might take that as a scarlet letter, other people take it as pride, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But you know that's what we need to know. But we don't we don't track all the wells in town. I mean we don't we, we run a running list. We work with the board of health on different people, so we know. But I really have no control over them, and it's also I have no control over the quality of water that comes out of there. Mm -hmm. They're not required to get any specific testing when they do it, so it's a it's a different type of thing. Yeah, I think the moral issue part where you know if there's a lot of ban on, uh, it's always good to think of the entire community uh, when it comes to that. Now, unlike Councilor DeLarco, I don't water, I have a well, I don't water my lawn because then it grows and I have to cut it. So <laughs> I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> and now when you walk on it, it crunches. <laughs> uh, questions or comments from the council, Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, thank you, I, I have a few questions. Uh, the first is on, um, the idea of, of fines, I, I certainly appreciate that we're not um, you know, on a hunt to uh, fine our, our own residents, um, but I would imagine that there are repeat offenders, and frankly, I, I do want to use the tools that we have to make sure that people are acting appropriately and fairly you know, to their neighbors. Um, uh, are we seeing repeat offenders, and do we ever reach a point where we are actually imposing penalties? I have issued fines before. Okay, not not this year. I, I get to be honest with you. Most people, it's you know you, you got to take them like oh I didn't know, which I personally find hard to believe because especially like a year like this, yeah. because it was all over the news. So it was kind of like you know everybody. But say in a typical year, we just have our because of our permit, we have to do you know the water conservation plan. You're on your trash day or whatever. You know some people just don't know, and and I and I, and I do believe that. But yes, we've had people that um, yeah you know gone to the third step and we've taken the court, gone to saw the clerk magistrate about it because uh, they, then they refuse to pay, which is a whole other thing. And it's not dealing with me; it's dealing with the court system. So, but yeah, there are people that, and there are people out there that are like, I, you know, it is, like I said, it hasn't happened recently, like, I don't care. They want to keep wandering along, here's $50 fine, fine. Go back next day, here's $100, fine, keep fine, I don't care. And they pay it. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we, we, we do use that. I just don't like to do it. I don't like being a water police. Sure. sure. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, the police department, they can do it also. But they're not raising their hand above them. They got <laughs> right. Uh, the the idea of this being part of our permit with the state. 
One of the things I've never understood about that is, are there other, like, is there a menu of options and we chose the one that was, you know, how much more would we have to pay to have a different relationship with our uh, water? So there was, the last time we went through the permit, you know, get a 20 year permit. Um, that was done in 2010. Yeah, it was finished in 2000. We worked on a number of years. Yeah. And there were, there were different, um, different things you can go for. And one of the things at the time that we, we worked on, Franklin's a very unique permit that, um, because what, at the time we listened to the, to the residents with, with the, you know, said do an odd and even water ban. So we went with a trash day one day a week and we were able to condense our time of our conservation plan. So our conservation plan basically goes from Memorial Day through Labor Day, give or take, okay? Most other communities, they have to start May 1st and they can't get out of it until the end of September. Those are two prime times people want to put new lawns in and try to fix things and do stuff like that water. So that's, that's what we went through. Um, and at the time, you know, we thought that was a very good thing to do. And it, I have to admit, it's been very successful. I mean, you know, through the years, most people have been very happy. It's a very easy thing to follow. Um, you know, your, your trash day, you get to water. Um, you know, if you water on your trash day once a week, you will keep your grass alive. And I think people realize that they want to do it. So that was kind of, and then there's all the, you know, that's for the part of the conservation house. No, that's, that's, that's perffect. It's 20 year. 20, 20 year, yeah. So we're in um, block three, I think, uh, till 2024, and then um, 2024 to 2029 is tier, or level, uh, the next, you know, grouping. So. And one other thing about the conservation plan that Franklin is very fortunate, <coughs> and one thing I fought for, is because all our, mostly all our wells are registered wells, which pre-existed permits, so they can't put the river gauge uh, control on us. Most communities you around here, they if the river, the Charles River over here goes below a certain level, you you have to mandatory basically go into a tier three. Mm -hmm. And most communities, like I know, obviously Millis, Medway, Norfolk, they all have that in their permits. So we're actually fortunate that we don't have that. And that was one of the other reasons why we chose to go that way. Because if we did, you know, it would have been like, oh, you have a dry fall. It doesn't matter that you have the special permit. So that's why we did. But that's, it's, we're fortunate that we have that. Awesome. My, my third question, if I, if I may, sure. um, was really touched upon it was that, that idea of, of private well use and sort of pulling from the same uh, aquifer. Uh, the way that. Is, so you you already answered the main question. So the, the secondary question is the way that we word our you know drought uh, things seem to be I don't know like rewarding private will use or like you know they, they I read them in a way that says um, if you, you know, it's almost a a, a a penalty on those who are on ours. But if you have a private well, go nuts and have fun. And I, I don't know if there's any ability. It's subtle um, to you know, encourage that you know that notion that we are still um, you know pulling from the same place, and uh, yeah. and I don't know. It's just it's worded in a way that says, "You guys don't do anything. You guys go crazy. We're not. We, you know, we can't touch you and, and uh, have a ball and make sure you do it really loud in front of your neighbors." You know? 
and that's just how some people take it. I, you know, I can say for me in my department, I've worked with the chairman for a long time. And, you know, this is the first drought we've gone through, and it, and it comes up every time. And you know, people are passionate about it both ways: passionate about the water conservation, and passionate about it's my well. I spent twenty grand to put it in, and I want to water my lawn. I want to keep my lawn, and it's it, and they're both tough sides on that. But um, yeah, I lean towards more we're all together type thing. But Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Any other councilors? Councilor Chandler. Oh, through you, Mr. Chairman. Hi, guys. Thank you. Um, question I was thinking about. I know we just got those four inches of rain, so this isn't probably going to be an issue right now. But we were almost at the worst drought level. Is that number four? Uh, uh, so last July was the wettest July on record. This past July uh, was the third driest. Third driest, yeah. So we went from last year wettest to this year third so driest. See, we didn't get those four inches of rain, and God forbid we went another month with nothing. Would our drinking water actually be in danger of not being able to get to the taps? It would never be that bad. No, I just want to. What would happen if we hit that? It, you know, California, nineteen-year drought. You know, they're they're looking at some serious problems. Um, we we have if people understand at home. Basically, we have the the their um, shallow wells. We basically have reservoirs that are under the ground. They're called gravel pack wells. It's gravel, the water all sits in there. And we have different areas in town that sit on them. So I talked to Doug about the drawdowns. It's basically our reservoirs going down. Um, I've never seen it get that bad. It was more, it's more of an issue about how to get the water out of the ground. Okay. So I don't, I don't believe that we would, and you know, if it went on for two years, then yeah, obviously there's a problem. But you know, if, if we kept having conditions we had you know for the next couple of months I don't believe it would be that big of an issue there are communities out here that um, which takes in the um, Pembroke or somebody was if Pembroke has yeah there are there are other communities that are having you know more issues than we are but you know, we've been fortunate this uh, this summer um, you know I think through our conservation plan and you know the residents listening to the band uh, we've been able to maintain our drawdowns and keep every source uh, online so very helpful. Just making sure we're going to have water. In there. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. Thanks, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Hi, guys. Welcome. Um, I think to Councilor Frangelo's point, you can appreciate how <clears throat> sort of sticky the conversations get sometimes on our end when uh, you know the, the residents of town get frustrated when the neighbor right next to them has the perfectly beautiful green lawn and living vegetation because they have a well and or maybe they're not following the rules at all they just don't care like you said Brutus or you, know, you got somebody who is following the rules and I think to hear that there maybe it's not as uh, strict with the fines was a concern but it sounds like you guys are on top of that and at least warning people so folks should know to just play by the rules um, one of the questions I have that's come up and I've never really been able to answer, do we as a town through the water department have the ability to buy water if we absolutely needed to, like say from MWRA or from other sources, or is that just not a possibility? 
We do have some emergency interconnections with our neighboring communities. It wouldn't be MWRA, but um, you know, Medway or Bellingham, uh, Rentham, uh, Norfolk. Uh, so if we ever needed to, we could connect those. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it isn't a matter of money. Like if somebody says to me, I'm willing to pay more of the time to just go get it, it's, that's not even an option, really. It's just a matter of... I mean, we, we never really got into a spot where we didn't have the water, so... Okay. We, I think what Doug's trying to say, or maybe answer your question, we, we have things in place for emergency use. Yeah. You know, Franklin, if, Franklin's also uphill, <coughs> if you think about it, for the most part, compared to other communities. So, you know, it's a static pressure. We go back, it's only certain parts of town we have, that's where we can take some from Norfolk and over here. Yeah. And then there's also, you know, Norfolk, they were having a lot of water issues. They were coming to us about getting our water. So we have a inter nice interconnection. We can give them a lot of water, but they're a non-fluoride town. So that's a whole other issue that if we gave them water, we give them fluoride in their water, and that hasn't been accepted by their town. So that, that kind of goes both ways with different communities. So emergencies are emergencies, but like buying or selling water, that's a whole other animal. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Council Cornell Legend. Council Pellegrini. Um, <clears throat> thank you for coming tonight and giving us this presentation. Um, I know questions that come up, and I'm surprised no one has said it as of yet. All the new apartments and all of that that's being built in Franklin, certainly they're going to be using a lot of water. Can we afford to let them use a lot of water? I mean, stop and think about it. You had said my next door neighbor, you know, is using, her, their lawn is not green and all of that. Well, what do we do? I know we have to follow the rules and regulations in order for these places to be built, but isn't there some type of law, or I don't know if it's through you or Mark right now, that we could do something instead of approving all of these apartments? I, I, I won't get into the, yeah. the law part. Attorney, Attorney Sorrell. So there's an inherent conflict in the statutes themselves because there is the conservation of water and DP, the state's jurisdiction over that use. But on the other hand, there is uh, the encouragement of development, and, or at least not, uh, not to discourage development and housing, uh, and they, they come head to head. So that is not a justification to even uh, slow housing. If in an extreme situation, there is a provision in the law for a moratorium, but then you have to address whatever the water issue is. You're under affirmative obligation to do that. You can't just say, oh, we don't want out of water, and that's it. Mr. Chairman, I, 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 I kind of thought this would come up, because I see social media in town, too. Okay. It comes up about the, the buildings. So this is kind of, I think cool and it's very neat their numbers and it's it's a direct reflection of town that's it's become so and I said I've done a lot of presentations throughout the state and the country about Franklin that you know at the turn of the century um, Franklin was known as 
the worst example ever for water conservation. There, there was a time here, and I think you know a lot of the older folks know we got no water. There was stories about fires; they couldn't keep up with uh, something over Grove Street. You know, it was it was an interesting time here because of all the development that happened in the '90s and it was fast, rapid growth. So, and this goes back to how our permit was established. But in 2001, our average daily use of how many gallons that we took out of the ground. Okay, it was 3.6 million gallons a day. Okay, it could go up to almost 7 million gallons in the summer, but on average for the year, it was 3.6 million gallons a day. What you think about is a lot of water. We're using that. Okay, the um, per capita was basically you say a residential unit, and it's every there's a very complex formula that we have to do every year, and it looks into apartments, it looks into even Dean College, the dorms, you know, the restaurants, everything goes into it. But the average was basically over 70 gallons per cabin, okay? Unaccounted for water. Unaccounted for water is we have meters at all our wells, okay? We know how much water we're taking out of the ground. And as you know, we have meters at everybody's house. The difference between that is we used to lose 19%, almost 20% of our water. That was lost through leaks throughout the system. So we pump it out of the ground, and it never made it to where we got rid of it, and it could end up in the storm basin or could end up somewhere else, right? So, but it's, or it just goes back in the ground, it's lost water. And our population at the time was around 30,000 people. This is 20 years ago, okay? Um, so 2021, the last year we did it. And so in the meantime, we had these permits, and not just for us, to, this is throughout the state. The state mandated that you have to be under 65 gallons. So we're at 70, you had to be under 65 gallons, or you could face fines, and you had to come up with a plan and they could put you under a consent order, similar like we talk about the sewer, fixing it. The other part of that is you had to be below 10% unaccounted for water. So you had to get a system in place that you don't, you're, not, you're allowed to lose 10% of your water. So this is where we're at now. So right now, it's kind of unbelievable, but we're at 2.4, that's where we were last year. Our average daily. Average daily. Wow. So we're using a million, over a million gallons less than we did 20 years ago. Yep. Okay. Nice. Uh, wow. To date, uh, we're a little bit higher than we were last year, but to date we're at 2.5. Nice. And that's a drum. Right? Drum. So per capita, we're down to 46 gallons. Uh, when I testified way back in 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. and I used to tell before Doug and Tony Woodrowney and everybody else, I'm like, you can't put down that we're getting down in the 50s because they're going to lower the permit on us. You know what I'm saying? Because that's with DP, they take more and more. We're down to 46. I mean, that's unheard of. That's like Boston numbers, okay? Our unaccountable water is 6%. There's very few communities who do that. And this all goes into the, the investment the town has made. You know, you as councilors and council before you, you know, our water and uh, line improvements, our broad programs, the money that we put in our system. This is really where it shows. And our population now, I know we went down a little last year, but we're around 34,000. So our population has gone up, but yes, we're using, uh, you know, million, plus a million gallons less a day. You know, additionally, you get to go into technology, I think, that, you know, there's low flow toilets when you talk about apartments. Um, there's a lot of different things of sewer. The biggest user that we have that really drives up our average daily use is the, uh, is, is the outdoor water, that, that by far, so if you, you've asked about an apartment complex, yeah, they, you know, it's a lot of people together, but they're efficiently using the water, opposed to, you know, you have 
a large house that's having a big lawn. They're gonna, that's what really drives our water use. Yeah, yeah it's those, the single, single family developments which would have a higher use for that same amount of people. Thank you for explaining that because you do it much better than I think I do with some people. Hopefully they're watching this and they're gonna understand why we don't have control over the apartments and we do have the water and they're more efficient in the apartments, correct? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilor Pleasure. <coughs> Councilor Sheridan. Uh, just a quick observation. I think uh, that's all the news about California has actually helped us. Because I think people took, even though it's completely different, a lot of scientists say they should stop calling the California drought a drought because it's not a drought. 25 years is a drought. But I think, oh, there's stuff in the news about Lake Mead and the whole country having fires. And I think it's kind of helped too because I have not seen too many. Used to, last time I used to see like businesses with these big well water. I have not seen the main this year. Other summers. Sure. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Brutus and Doug, thank you so much for being here. I um, think it's really important for people to understand about the state um, conservation. And it's different, right? So every year we have this conservation, and this year we have this drought, so we have that's when we get the bans. Um, and it, it's really important for you to be here to explain this to everyone. And um, I'm, I want to thank you for talking about the new water treatment plant because that helps us, right? Um, how many, can you guys tell us how many gallons that treats, you know, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> 1.22 million gallons per day. And, you know, not right now, but, uh, you know, in the height of the summer, we were maxing that out. Okay. So that was great to have. Yeah, that's Absolutely. wonderful. Um, so, um, thank you for being here. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor DeLocco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks, guys, for coming. Um, Debbie was talking about the, the moratorium. Didn't we have a moratorium at one point on water? Because where Miles was built, there's water, town water right out front. But something happened, and they put a moratorium on, and I had to put a well in. Jamie. Through you, Mr. Chairman. So um, earlier the, the question was asked about a level four drought and what if we got there. That's more where you, the state would impose more of a moratorium style regulatory framework where you probably would see some, some drastic measures. Um, you know, in my 24 years in this, and I used to work at that state agency for four years, I've never, I can't recall the level four drought. Um, it's probably come close, but there's never been, in my recollection, a state man, a, a statewide moratorium with a certain amount of water ration every day. Um, I just can't remember one. I know the, the worst drought in Massachusetts history was in the mid-60s, um, and so I don't know if back then they did something. Um, but uh, I think where you may, you may be referencing the moratorium on building. There was at one point a moratorium on building. Yeah, but why? Yeah, why? And we can't. You can't do a moratorium. You, just to be clear, just maybe for the record, we cannot just impose a pure moratorium in any town on building and development. Um, oh. Zoning modifications fixes some of that, but uh, we cannot do a moratorium. And then Mark would be clearer than me. Um, I believe at some point the town attempted a moratorium on building, and I think the courts ruled against yeah, that in some sort of way. That might be where where the conversation in the community might be remembering Councilor uh, yeah. DeLorco. There, there was, to the attorney, Sorrell, 
there was an incident involving uh, Norfolk and uh, low levels on a pond over there. And I believe there was some action or inter inter involvement by D. Yeah, that point. Moment, yeah. So that could have been what you're referring to. Yeah. But then <clears throat> a lot of municipalities imposed either moratoria or uh, limits on building and you had a limit on the number of building permits that could be issued. <coughs> and then a uh, case made it to the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts involving Hadley and the SJC basically determined that it was illegal to have a permanent growth moratorium or yeah, limitation in place. Mm -hmm. You could put one in temporarily, just in, again until you could figure out what was going on and address it, but it could not be uh, open-ended. That's kind of what I thought when you said said it earlier. That's what I was trying to trying to get to. But anyway, don't worry, Brutus. Last time we had a drought, and the squirrels' tails are very thick. We're gonna have a bad winter. Uh, <laughs> we actually had our first snow meeting yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> So get ready. Uh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Council Jones. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, for you. For this talk, all I can say is boom. You guys, you, you nailed it on the head. You really did. Just getting into the nuances and details of, of how, for all intents and purposes, and I really hope the public is listening to this conversation tonight. And they learn and they understand that this is a plan that's been in place for over two decades, <clears throat> and it works. This was an effective plan that was. It was meticulous, it was well planned out, it was thoughtful, and just to hear that we're one million gallons per day less than we were 20 years ago. What'd you say, was it 6%? 6%. 6 that is, from 24. It's just, I'm, I'm astounded, it's just an amazing feat of engineering that's gone into, the, into the, in all of this planning, and I'm, I'm proud that be part of many of the decisions that have gone into making all this work. And, and it, it really breaks down to the fact that this is government at its best. This is what we should be doing is being concerned about the people's infrastructure and pre preserving our preserving our water, preserving our environment. This is a great way of doing it. Just hearing the, the, the water losses improve the way they did. That to me is tremendous. My neighbor next door, you know, great woman, um, she didn't even realize it when her, her water pressure got down to the point where it was tripping. In her house, she had a leak in her yard, and I just couldn't help but fathom how much water we lost in that situation. But just the measures that we've taken, the extreme measures that we've taken to improve the system, um, everything from from consistently doing water line changes to doing sewer line changes to fixing the roads, which, by the way, thank you for the road construction that you guys are working on. Um, I just hope everyone understands that this is a testament to efficient government. And I just want to thank you and your crew and everyone at the DPW as well as administration for all the hard work that's gone into making this something possible today. It's, it's you know, I'd say me, like me personally, it's um, it's a great town to work for. And it's been it's been this way a lot. You know, you talk about the administration, you know, before Jamie and Jeff, and the council before it, and then, the, you know, the team down at DPW, and, then, and the residents. I mean, we can't do this without, you know, the residents paying attention. I mean, it, it is a community thing. And, yeah, I just want to end on the part that, you know, I started out by saying DP, we were the role model for everything that was wrong. They hang us up all the time. They go to towns like Shrewsbury and say, Franklin did this, you know, Franklin did this. Frank, look at it, and they, they use us. You know, most people really probably don't care at home, but I'm just telling you, they, 
Franklin is a role model. They said, these communities, you can do this, and it takes a plan, and you're right. It ain't happening overnight. It took us a long time to get here, just like the stormwater. It's going to take a long time to get out. But, you know, we have a plan, and, you know, we bite off a little piece at a time. It's, it's really starting to pay off now. Just one curious question, last question, Mr. Chairman. I'm not a hydrologist by any stretch. The first rain that we had, because it was so dry, things have been dry for such a long period of time. Was that first rain have any effect on getting into the groundwater? Because it was almost like a plate where the water hit the ground and just washed off. Into yeah, the I mean, I, the private the vegetation person speak for this morning was probably very thirsty at that point, so it you know it sucks a lot initially, and and I don't forget if that rain too was heavy, probably a lot of it just ran off too. It depends on. The, the biggest thing is the soil that's there. Yeah. Obviously, sandy soil is going to absorb a lot. Where our, our grouse are, but you know, we have the north side of town, it's, it's all clay. So it, it just runs off. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, I'm not a hydrologist, but I've got a soil science stuff. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I got an agriculture degree. So, so I guess, I guess right farmers, farmers, we know. Is, is this um, level of water that we've been having going to have any kind of effect on oh, yeah. adding to the benefit of our? Definitely, I, I think I think we're still uh, in a deficit uh, for the year, yeah. uh, you know, from a, a drought perspective. But, but overall, it's it definitely helped. So. It's not the it's not the game change. It's not like no. we had. That's what I was trying to get across. But yes, this 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 storm is perfect. I mean, we've had three days of moisture falling. That's that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Is there anyone in the audience in the council chambers? Other than Steve Sherlock, <laughs> 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 I had to speak. I said that you have to Thank you, Steve Sherlock, Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio. Also, while the presentation was good and insightful, you can also listen to 90 minutes of Doug and Jake and I recording the entire from the well all the way through to the faucet in nice, easy, 30 minute approximate chunks. And it's on their website. Uh, the links are available. You can Google podcast Franklin Matters or whatever. If not, look to the Franklin Matters. I've got the links. They'll be available there. And we go through the uh, quality report as well, CCR, yep. conservation report. A lot of the terminology, what, what that means, uh, how the testing is done. One of the things that was insightful for me, shook me, when they test the water, the tester can't have used a Teflon pan in the morning, potentially for cross to avoid cross-contamination for the PFAS testing that is done. That's the level of detail that these guys are doing on a regular basis to give us the quality of water that we have and continue to enjoy. So thank you. Thank you, Steve. Is there anyone else? in council chambers that has a question or a comment. Is there anyone out in Zoom land? I think this was everything anyone ever wanted to know about water. Uh, as, uh, tuned in. Uh, just before uh, we close uh, with the DPW, I did just get a text. Is trash Delayed because of Labor Day. Your trash day was Monday. Tuesday. What are you saying? Yes, it is delayed. 
come in. I think the uh, residents were looking for a call from Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they missed your call. <laughs> and everybody does look forward to that. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for the very informative update. And we'll look forward to your next visit, which will probably be snow. Yeah, I know. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, next item on the agenda is another discussion item. Uh, Massachusetts State Seal and Motto. Jamie, you want to do a lead in? Uh, sure, Mr. Chairman. So, uh, as we all know, this uh, request was brought forth by uh, a bunch of citizens, I think, over the last couple months, and some councils have asked for this item to be on the agenda. Um, just by way of a factual background, so everybody is on the same page. Uh, I create, put in the memo some links. I think everybody's hopefully aware of the legislative effort to, um, to change uh, the state uh, seal um, at the Commonwealth level. Uh, I tried to attach it into the memo, but uh, for the record, um, a year or two ago, the legislature did set up a special commission um, uh, to look at the state seal. Um, earlier this calendar year, uh, in the spring, the commission did vote. Uh, we staff did some research and want to give Rep. Roy's office a, a, a huge shout out for their assistance uh, uh, in getting us some facts. But uh, the commission did vote to uh, to uh, essentially endorse uh, unanimously changing the state seal. Um, I know in some economic development legislation that was pending on Beacon Hill this summer, um, which is still pending as a matter of fact, um, people may have read about it in the news, it was regarding this back and forth about surplus revenue and tax taxes and rebates and things. People saw that in the Boston Globe or the or the local paper. But in that legislation, there's a lot of other stuff um, to deal with uh, economic development growth in the Commonwealth. And there was an appropriation in there for I believe it was about a hundred thousand dollars to appropriate to the commission, the legislative commission, um, to actually be able to go out and hire. Um, graphic designers um, to make different renderings to bring back to the commission to uh, look at what a new state seal would look like. Um, that legislation, to my knowledge, is still pending. Um, I believe it has a deadline of January 2nd or 3rd, whatever the first day that the new legislature gets sworn in after the election in November. Um, so there's still four or five months, I believe, um, for hopefully for some of that work to get done. Um, I don't know the fate of it. I wish I could, but I don't. And then um, after that money gets back and they do that, um, the commission will be looking at a new seal. So um, that's the information I got from Rep. Roy's office uh, through the staff um, and what's in there, some articles and some links in here uh, in the memo to some articles uh, on what I just mentioned. So thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Council of Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Are we having listening to people that yeah. are here tonight? Oh, I thought we listened to them first. I'm sorry. No, uh, during discussion items, only only in uh, uh, when we have a public hearing, we go to public first. first. Mm -hmm. You're going to wait. Mm -hmm. Okay. Councilor Sheridan? Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I don't really like the flag anyway, so I thought it was boring. But I, I had no idea. Uh, that was offensive either. I mean, I knew, I knew the Indian, the Native American was not a Massachusetts Native American. 
But apparently at one point it was worse. He used to see, I think he used to say, come over here and help us a little bit at one point. So I think it was great. The, uh, a lot of the alternative ones are very good. I like it. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, through the chair. I agree with my fellow Councilor Sheridan that I think this is a good idea. Um, but I also would like to thank the town administrator for the links in the memo. They were very informative. Um, it's nice to see that the commission has Native Americans on on the commission, um, and there um, a lot of the things I talked about. Like we wouldn't, be, some people might not think we're offensive. Um, so it's very um, a learning experience for everyone, I think. Um, so if I understand what what the town administrator just said it seems like we need to pass we need to we need to harass people to pass that economic development bill so then so then the commission can get money to hire someone is that what they're waiting for Through you mr chairman yes i think the hang-up was somewhere about that law from the mid 80s or early 80s about surplus tax revenue and you know i, I gotta admit i don't I have a lot of other things i haven't read all the details i just know that there's probably some discussions about how to deal with that. I mean, I don't think when they wrote that law, they were anticipating a pandemic and having the floor ripped out from underneath of us and coming back. So, and there's obviously the ballot question too uh, in November. Um, so I don't know how all that's going to get worked out. But I, I think from the articles here, and I, I, I think from, um, the, I think the thing that I hope the public appreciates is. Is the, the commission voted to to make a new seal, mm -hmm. and I think they're committed to that. It's yeah. just a question of what is the new seal going to be. Right. I think you know the reason why we want to discuss it tonight is just to see like what is there anything that we can do to help. Um, you know, if we lend our voice to say yes, we think it's a good idea. I mean, they already voted to change it. We just need want now we can lend our voice to say pass this economic development bill and let's get on. <laughs> with everything. <laughs> Jamie. You, you could certainly, um, I think, um, you know, I, yeah, you could, anybody can certainly reach out to Representative Roy's office, uh, Senator Spilka, Senator Rausch's office. Um, in all earnest, and, and this is my uh, professional weakness of, of uh, being fairly honest, in terms of what people can do, they can certainly advocate for those bills. Um, I say that, you know, some patience um, for the commission to do its work uh, as Councilor Sheridan just meant, mentioned, there's already some samples and some ideas. Um, it seems to me, it just reads to me like the state is committed to this. It's just a question. It was obviously going to take a year, year and a half for the bill, the funding, the hiring of a consultant, and then and then deciding on the new seal is is in my opinion going to be by far the most hard hardest decision to make because every corner of Massachusetts wants their area represented. Cranberries, ladybugs, chickadees, pine trees, hemlocks, beaches, mountains, we do state houses, neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, it's all going to be in that collage, I suspect, at some point. I'm glad I'm not on that commission. I think, I also think it was very interesting to read about how they, they knew that they didn't start off quickly, or like they've been building uh, to try to get momentum and they have momentum now and so um, that that does seem very promising that's good work that's good word to use yeah thank you thank you mr chairman thank you councillor hamlin councillor frangelo thank you so the discussion seems to be in my mind you know do, is it worth 
passing the resolution. I, I think this is a very well drafted resolution. Um, I agree that you know the chances that such a resolution does any uh, has any major impact on accelerating the timeline or, or making it more likely to happen uh, is probably minimal. Uh, but then the, the uh, other question is, can it hurt? Like, what's the what's the absolute uh, worst harm of, of passing such a resolution? Maybe it's the idea that we're going to be inundated with uh, such resolutions going forward to you know put our our moral stance on different things. And honestly, my, my personal opinion is we can do a little more of that. Uh, this says, hey, we're going to be on the right side of history. It was a very, very, this isn't a, a spur of the moment thing. It's a very well thought out, well coordinated uh, effort to go out and talk to different communities. They brought uh, it forward. We've all considered it over a period of time. Let's just pass it and put our, our stamp of approval on uh, supporting such a thing. Yeah, there's no resolution. I know there's no resolution oh, currently, okay. but, but in the, uh, he, had, he had drafted, uh, this is drafted by you guys? No. Nope. No. This is by nope. them. Okay. Yeah. Well drafted by uh, uh, the Franklin residents. You know, uh, I, can, I can get behind this. Okay. Yeah. Council Comilla. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. To, I, I think part of the confusion and that was going to be my question to Councillor Frangelo is that there is actually a resolution in the packet. Yes. But it's not under legislation for action. It's not so, a resolution. No. We have not. <clears throat> Correct. I, I just wanted people to understand that there is language here that reads as if the town of Franklin and this board is approving something, but that's not drafted by us. That's not drafted by. The, our council. It is simply the residents have put this together, asking us to consider it possibly as a future correct. resolution. But today is just a discussion. The, correct. That is one hundred percent correct. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Any other councilors? Anyone in council chambers? Uh, let's start over here, please. If you just in the front, just please come forward. Name and address, please. Hi, thank you. My name's Judy Butler. I live at 169 Pine Street. I have the privilege of being a direct descendant of Francis Cook and a lifetime member of the Mayflower Society. So as you can imagine, I grew up in a family that had many history lessons and I learned to appreciate uh, their version of history. I learned to appreciate um, and have a growing awareness for, for history. Um, but I'm here today to encourage um, support for changing the flag. It's past time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is there any, please just come forward, name and address, please. It's Kathy Trefathen, Three Rizzoli Circle. Um, you got to give me limits because I've listened to every commission meeting. Greater just, I can't explain why this fascinates me, but it does. Um, I've been an avid person of history, blah, blah, blah. I have plan A, B, C. I can give you a PowerPoint that I made concise, which was an effort for me. I can talk to you from my PowerPoint and not show the PowerPoint. And if this needs to be extremely brief, I can give you my 
Oh, is it just a three-minute thing? Yeah. Okay. So I will do my three-minute thing. I will leave you copies of the PowerPoint. Perfect. And there's another article at the end um, that sums it all up and is from one of the co-chairs that's on the commission. So I do have, I want to touch on a couple points that came up. Could somebody give me a one-minute warning? You can show up to me. We'll give you two minutes, then we'll give you another. You've got two okay, minutes, right? All right, so yeah. I got to say, um, this is a long, 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 long process. It took 38 years for the bill to pass. Um, it sounds like, okay, this could be done in a couple of months. It will not be. We're looking at years. Um, there are so many facets to what their um, charge is in terms of changing the design. In Massachusetts, our flag is a seal, okay? It's not a true um, flag design. So when they, the commission, um, they need to think about creating a new flag, creating a new seal, and a model. So it's very multifaceted. And from listening to the meetings, each aspect has its own design criteria. I mean, there's a special vexology that specializes in critiquing design, not what's on it, but the design of what's on it. So it's just a whole lot for this commission to do. And the other thing I hear over and over in the commission is public input, public input, public input. They don't wanna, they're not gonna push anything through. They're gonna be going to the public in many different ways. Uh, polls, non-binding polls, um, public meetings, the commission's talked about holding several public meetings. Um, what else would there be? Uh, getting educators involved. So they, they tap certain, okay, one minute. So, all right, so I'm gonna just say what I, my thoughts are. The, the two of the values reflected on the Salem model are peace and liberty. My understanding of Massachusetts history has expanded and deepened while working on this. It was during the pandemic, this is how I filled my time learning about, more about Massachusetts history. And this is how I ran into this, and this is how I got interested in it. Um, I want you to know that the commission is seriously considering the history of everything. I mean, the detail of what they have done for research is, is dense. I've heard the native speakers say they, the desire to change the seal, which implies the flag and the motto, uh, does not mean they want to negate or erase history. It's not about that. Um, the real message is um, to take peace and liberty and build on it, to take those original values, perhaps add to them. To, they want to analyze the meaning of each value. Peace is different to everyone. Is that a good one to stick with? Are there other ones that are more general? They don't want to create something that causes any harm in the future. They're going to be very careful. They're very thoughtful people. Um, they're detailed. Again, I find it fascinating to listen to it. So it's a long process. It took a long time to get my done. <laughs> it took a long time to Finish get your thought. And, yeah, um, all right, 52, 52 Massachusetts communities have sent this resolution to the commission because there's growing support that an updated flag will not negate or erase history. It will move us forward. That's the whole idea. You move forward. And the other statement I just wanted to make about history, that it's so, so important, but it's like grasp it, grieve it, <clears throat> celebrate it, move forward. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience that would like to please name an address? If I may, sit, I would appreciate it. Sure, go ahead. Sit. Thank you. 
My name is Frank Falvey. I reside at 920 Pond Street. I think our state flag as it exists now is perfect. It is a simple message. It honors not our current being in America. You know, we could have chosen some revolutionary slogan or revolutionary figures, and we didn't. We chose the people that were here before we came. And we designed a simple presentation of that symbol. I, I think it has led probably people to inquire into who the Native Americans were. It has led, I think, educational purposes of why is this Native American on the flag? You can go to Plymouth Plantation and see how they existed at that time. It is a, a recognition not of our current thought in society and, and mixing it up by a commission that is appointed by the governor and a select few who may have huge different designs, which they appear to have if they're rejecting the present flag as it stands. In the flag, they're objecting that there's an Indian with a hand, and the hand means peace, a peaceful Indian. Well, what is a peaceful Indian? It was a Christian Indian out of Vedic, a tribe, and what did they do to them? They, they put them to Deer Island when they were afraid of Indian attacks, and many of them died of smallpox. The symbol that is in the blue says something about a sword, and above you see this sword that the Navy, in the beginning of this country, has had in Massachusetts as a symbol of the Massachusetts Navy. Now, we don't have one, but we still have the symbol. One minute, Frank, just so you know. The, the, the symbol reminds me that we have ruined either by disease or killing the Native Americans. In Massachusetts, we have abused the, the militia, the Bread and Roses strike that we just celebrated on Labor Day, when the women in the mills went on strike, the Massachusetts militia put the strike down, three people were killed, and even Harvard University sent a contingent in the, up there that got credit for going up there, scholastic credit. We have a group of people that are going to design a flag that no one in Massachusetts will ever vote on. Only the governor, as I understand it, probably needs to approve it. There is no, there is no way that we should be changing this flag that, in my opinion, is the best in one of the best in all of the states. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience, uh, in the council chambers, that would, has a comment or a question? Okay, is there anyone in Zoom land that has a comment or a question? <laughs> Council Plegri, did you want to speak to me? Yes. Council Plegri. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Over the past week, I have been doing a lot of reading 
about the, the motto, the flag, the, and all of that. And in fact, I put a call into an individual that I was not able to talk to today, um, but I will certainly before the next meeting, and perhaps even have him come in to speak. Um, I have to agree with Frank. I don't see a reason to change this flag. It was not done to deter, deter rather, the, the Indian back then. I thought it was something that it was very good that they, they did something like that to bring forth, you know, the, the background of the Indian and the militia and, and all in all. Um, too much for me to grasp this past week with everything I've been going through, but um, I just, Frank, I think you said it very well. And I do agree with you, and I don't believe that this should be changed at all. When we bring this forward again, I will have more comments on it. Um, this has been going on since 1898, and then changes was like so many years after that. But um, each mark that's on this, the star on the corner, the, um, the wording, the motto, everything has a meaning, and the meaning was back then. I was opposed to any of the statues being taken down because that was history, okay? And history stands. If you want to do something different now, don't take away what we had. Do something and, and think about what you're doing and investigate it and all. And I know that they said that it's going to take um, years probably for this to come forward. And so far they only have a third of the communities that you know have signed off on anything like this so I'm glad we're not signing off and voting on anything because I'd like my fellow counselors to to think about it and do some research do some reading on this and you're going to be very surprised that it was not done against the Indian population and I had notes and I just thank you Mr. Chairman Thank you, Council Plagery. Any other? Okay, we will move on to legislation for action. Our first bylaw amendment, 22-883, amendment to water system map. Second reading, clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is bylaw amendment 22-883, a bylaw to amend the code of the town of Franklin and chapter 179, subsection 179.9.1, water system map. Be it enacted by the town council of the town of Franklin that chapter 179, uh, subsection 179-9.1, water system map exhibit A map be amended by adding an eligible location to the following. Subsection 179-9.1, water system map, Exhibit A, uh, extending a water service line from 20 Ridgeview Road for a single water service connection to the existing main on Old Farm Road. The bylaw amendment shall become effective until all conditions agreed to between the property owner and the Franklin DPW are satisfied. The bylaw amendment shall otherwise become effective in accordance with the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move bylaw amendment 22-883. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie. 
Through you, Mr. Chairman. So, uh, keeping with the theme of water uh, this evening, uh, the gentleman in the back row to my left uh, is a face we all know from the last meeting. This is the second and final reading um, to get a water extension to getting this guy some water. Uh, he wants to capture some of the four inches that just came down. Uh, but in all seriousness, this is a fairly emergency situation for him and his family. Um, tonight we'll get that process started at the DPW by uh, affirming that this house can have a connection. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve bylaw amendment 22-883. A majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Sheridan? Yes. Formula Ledger? Yes. Frangillo? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Uh, John Chess, Vice Chair? Yes. 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 Motion carries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're a happy man. I <laughs> <laughs> get my bill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving forward. Resolution 22-59, Cable Funds in Support of PEG Service and Programming per Mass General Law, Chapter 44, Subsection 53, if reported. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Thank you Mr. Chairman. <laughs> that's the time was going to twist. Yeah, I know, almost. Uh, resolution 22-59, Appropriation, Cable Funds in Support of PEG Service and Programming per Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 44, Subsection 53, F and 3 quarters. Total amount requested, $84,707.83. The purpose is to appropriate $84,707.83 from the PEG access and cable-related fund created under Master General Law Chapter 44, subsection 53 and F and 3 quarters, representing the amount received from Verizon in the previous quarter to be paid to the Franklin Community Cable Access Incorporated to operate access studio and otherwise fund its operations. Uh, motion being moved and voted by the town council, the sum of $84,707.83 be appropriated from the PEG access and cable aid fund created out of National Law Chapter 44, subsection 53F and three quarters to be paid to the Franklin Community Cable Access Incorporated to operate the cable access studio and otherwise fund its operations. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 22-59. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Mr. Chairman, it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> we all, yeah. Okay. Questions or comments from the council? <coughs> this is a, a regular resolution that comes before us almost monthly. So uh, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-59. A majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-60, gift acceptance, Veterans Services Department, $3,289, Senior Center, $250, Franklin Historical Museum, $200. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-60, acceptance gifts for Veteran Services Department Senior Center Franklin Historical Museum. Whereas the Veteran Services Department Senior Center and Franklin Historical Museum have received generous donations, the total amount of $3,739 to be used at the discretion of each respective department as follows. 
Donation Summary Veteran Services Department $3,289 donated by the Franklin Elks Club to be applied towards the Monument Restoration Fund and used to support efforts to clean, restore, and annually maintain the monuments on the town common. Senior Center $250 donated by Linda Perkins and David McIntosh to be used at the Center's discretion to provide services and programs to the seniors, uh, sen senior citizens at the Franklin community. Franklin Historical Commission uh, Museum, $200, $100 donated by St. Mary's Parish Catholic Women's Club, $100 donated by John and Lori Thacker. Donations will be used at the discretion of the museum to maintain and fund its programs and services. Now, it will be resolved that the Town Council of Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Veterans Services Department, Senior Center, and the Franklin Historical Museum, gratefully accepts these generous donations to be used at the discretion of each department as described above. Resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 22-60. Second. Motion in the second. Discussion, and you're going to defer. I am. I just want to say thank you to all the other donors. Shannon's here to talk about uh, one of the donations, but okay. I just want to thank the other folks as well. Shannon, just please identify yourself. Yes, um, Mr. Chairman, Counselors, I'm <laughs> Shannon Nisbet, the Veteran Services Officer for the Town of Franklin. I just want to take this opportunity to thank the Franklin Elks Club for um, putting a lot of time and energy into throwing a fantastic dinner dance fundraiser for monument restoration, the proceeds of which are under discussion tonight. Um, the uh, board of directors, Mark and Diane Ellis, many members of the Elks Club donated their time um, to be servers, uh, to cook the food at this event. Uh, we had also a um, very robust response from local Franklin businesses donating raffle prizes. Uh, just want to let you know, monument restoration um, on four of the monuments is slated to start next week. Hopefully the weather will hold up. And um, the Elks Club will also be hosting uh, the Veterans Day luncheon on November 11th. Uh, more to follow about that. So um, again, thank you to the Elks Club for um, supporting our veterans and always having our back. Thank you, Shannon. Questions or comments from the council? Councillor Jones. Mr. Chairman, of course, to pay back you know, on behalf of Council Treadwell feels the same as such generous donations. Um, you know, can't, I can't say enough about generosity. And thank you, uh, Alicia and everyone, for putting all these donations on one sheet. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Yes, yes. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-60. Again, a majority vote is required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. Town Administrator's report. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, on behalf of our illustrious town clerk, uh, who's feeling a little under the weather this evening, she's very sorry uh, for her absence, but wanted me at least to mention that up on the town clerk website is the uh, certified results of the election. Mm -hmm. um, yep, Councilor Jones, you have a copy right there. Uh, but they, uh, she did post these before she left, so just obviously wants to thank all the voters. Uh, and all of the uh, and all of the election workers and wardens for their hard work. Um, uh, 5,403 uh, folks voted yesterday or over the course of the election. That's a 21 percent uh, uh, ratio. Um, I do not know off the top of my head, and we're looking at the numbers in terms of mail-in versus in-person. But 
Um, by and large, that's, uh, that's, that's certainly decent. And um, that's all I got tonight. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, James. Subcommittee reports, I don't believe we've had any. And I'll just check in with GAPTRA, nothing okay. Uh, future agenda items. Councilor Cormier Leisure. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just out of respect to the folks that have come before us now several times on this flag issue, are we going to actually be voting on a resolution at a future meeting just to share our support with the other communities? We have to get a consensus from the council to see if it's something that they'd like to bring forward. Okay. I, I would very much like to see us vote on that, Mr. Chairman, if possible. Thank you. Councilor Chandler. Nothing at this time. Councilor Pellegrini. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I would like to see uh, an update on the Habitat for Humanities that the building will be on that next It is on the it next It might, well, let's well, not go that far. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly, it's, a, it's coming up very soon. Okay. Yeah. We're working on the, we have to work on the RFP, Councilor okay. Pellegrini. And what about the Burke School update? Uh, starts next week September 19th then we don't need to have it on the agenda then um, I would like to see uh, I'd like a discussion on signs all of a sudden we have so many signs out on the streets um, and I think we have to look at our sign bylaw to see if perhaps we can um, curtail some of them you know uh, it just looks like a, a sign sign alley in places all year long, not just during election time. Because I know for the elections, we have to let them put them up anytime they want. You're shaking your head, Mark. So through the chair. Sure. Unfortunately, you're extremely limited as a municipality in the regulation of signage generally any kind of political signs in particular so somebody can have a sign up all the time that addresses some kind of a issue of public concern there's no ability to restrict them and as far as a broader regulation of signage uh, the Supreme Court handed down a case a few years ago that is extremely restrictive of your ability to regulate uh, that signage as well so that means that any signs through businesses that want to just do a job in someone's yard, I thought that there was something that said in the bylaw that they could keep it up for so many days. Well, that's commercial signage. Yeah. That's what you were saying in connection with the elections and things. So yeah. commercial no, signage. Elections, have, I know we can't. You have a further ability to regulate commercial signage, and we do have uh, pretty <coughs> thorough bylaw in place, but again, it's as with the water issue before it becomes an enforcement issue. <coughs> well, an enforcement issue, but do we want the town to look the way that it is with these signs all over the place? And no, I'm, when I say that, I don't mean election signs. No, I, I mean, I know that the, for instance, the building commissioner and his staff regularly pick up signs that are in clear violation of bylaw and, and bring them in to. Uh, basically hold until the owners come to get them, but they do enforce it to the best of their ability in light of what other jobs they have to do. Um, that's all I had for a 
agendas. Okay. Thank you, Councilor Plenty. Councilor Sheriff. Uh, yeah, I would add that so we should not vote on that resolution since they've come in a few times. Okay. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Councilor Frenville? I'd also support voting on the resolution. Okay. Councilor Hamlin. Um, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I would also um, approve, I would also like to vote on the resolution, and I have nothing further. Thank you. Uh, Councilor, that's it. That's it. Councilor Jones. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving forward, Councilor Comments. Councilor Sheridan. I'd just like to say uh, good luck to all the students going back to school, even students who are going off to college. Council Frangillo. Best day of the year in Franklin is the cultural festival. Better be there Saturday at the blast. Absolutely. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to remind everyone that the farmer's market is still going on on Fridays. Um, now the farmers market is actually an HIP retailer, so um, they actually give money back to the SNAP holders, and you still and you can get a um, refund for the for the well an added um, amount. So if you have you spend ten dollars, you get ten dollars more, and that's uh, thanks to Dean Bank and the food pantry for that at the farmers market. So the HIP is healthy incentive program for the people who don't know. Um, the AGCOM is going to have a special meeting on Monday. There's going to be a forester and it's going to speak on um, how to take care of your wooded areas, how to create a forestry plan, and a little bit about Chapter 61. And the Chapter 61 applications are due by the end of September. So if anyone is out there who has Chapter 61 or are thinking about it, you got the pet pamphlet from the AGCOM, um, please go see Kevin Doyle and he'll explain a lot of stuff to you about that. Um, I would like to thank everyone who worked at the polls on Tuesday, uh, the town clerk and everyone who voted, everyone who stood in the rain. Um, it's just, it's always exciting to me that well, we get to vote. So that's really fun. <laughs> like what a great country. Um, so um, thank you, thank Mr. You. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Plagley. I too would like to thank the town clerk for all those hours. It wasn't just on election day, it was long before that that things were set up and that she had things that she had to do. And also to all of the workers. Um, it was a long day and I think it's a sad, sad case when we say that 21% is a decent number because it's not. It's not. it's not. You know, it's really a shame. It's a shame. This is our right to vote. Get out there, people, and vote. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Clegory. Councilor Chandler. For you, Mr. Chairman. Not too much tonight. Um, the, um, Shannon, she always thanks the elders, but I think they need some more thanks. They're always just giving money for those vets or doing things. So it's just really great not to get enough um, recognition on that. Um, I saw a nice story this week on, we've been talking about drones, how we got those free drones. They helped uh, save a little boy this week. I think yes, you all saw did. that. Yeah. Yes. The drone got him 
first before anyone could even find him. So that was a good heartwarming uh, story. And lastly, as um, Councilor Pelegri and Councilor Hamlin said, it, it is great to see though that everyone came, people did come out in the rain to vote because anyone that's sitting here and anyone that's watching on Zoom, anyone that's left here actually probably really feels good after they vote. It was a good feeling, you know, to do the process and go for your person and then watch the results. It's just a good feeling that the whole process works. And that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Cordelia. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to uh, certainly echo the comments of the fellow councilors uh, to thank Nancy and her whole team for a great primary day election and to thank everybody that came out in the rain. Yes, 21% is a little bit low, Debbie, but we have to look on the positive side that that's more than perhaps we've had uh, at other elections. So mail-in voting and other options is helping uh, get the word out and helping uh, make it a little easier for folks. Um, cultural Festival, as uh, Councillor Frangelo pointed out, is Saturday from 12 to 6 on the Common. Uh, there are maps online. I would encourage people to think about parking ahead of time. Uh, last year we did have over 8,000 people in attendance. Uh, so just be smart about, you know, sort of scoping out where you're going to be and how you're going to plan your day. Uh, but there's a full lineup of entertainment and uh, lots of activities for kids and uh, lots going on on stage. Many vendors, many community vendors this year. Um, so thank you to all the people that have put that together. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and finally, I just wanted to say thank you to um, the folks at the town administrator's office and the cultural district and the cultural council. We had a wonderful tour last week of uh, Hudson and Hopkinton and really trying to discuss how to bring uh, arts to Franklin and incorporate them possibly into our downtown area and just really think about working as a district and as a council. Um, it was a great tour and it was really great to see so many people coming together, working together, and really getting our heads together around how to make Franklin better, uh, not just for the arts, but for our residents. So, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Colonial Ledger. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Ted, it's one of my favorite things about living downtown. I don't have to worry about parking. Such great <laughs> events. I'm looking forward to the Colorful Festival. I'm truly going to enjoy that. Um, Patrick laughs over here. It's a great thing, isn't it, Patrick, mm -hmm. being close? He knows yes. right? Um, but in all seriousness, it's been, it's been said already, I cannot even begin to thank everyone who, who shows up to support uh, the voting efforts. And, that's, and I, I appreciate the 21% voters. I, I honestly wish we could have more. It, it is pretty sad, like Debbie said, but it, again, on Ted's point, it's better than it's been. But everyone who shows up each election to uh, work the polls and to help our voters out and get through them and, and for all intents and purposes a very thorough and efficient manner. That is a, a huge, a huge undertaking. I want to thank everyone for that. Um, and I want to thank our presenters for coming tonight. It was great, a great presentation to everybody. I'm just still absolutely floored by the water discussion that we had. Uh, other than that, Mr. Chairman, I'm looking forward to a new school year coming up and uh, passing it back over to you. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor DeLorco. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, this kind of goes out to Jamie. Jamie, um, 
got a call yesterday uh, on eight Charles Drive, six Charles Drive, and four Charles Drive. Uh, since we put the new road in, they have to go out in their driveway and use squeegees to push the water away from their driveways. So, uh, and I, I did go up there. Pat Green, you know Pat, I mean, she's elderly. She couldn't even put her barrels out because the water was so deep by her, by the, uh, by the end of her driveway. So I told her that I would bring that up tonight and bring it up to you and you would you would check into it. And I don't know if we need to talk to the engineer or something like that, you know. So let the town engineer go out and take yeah. a look like he normally does at yeah. sites like that. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to make sure I brought that up. And, uh, and, uh, that's what I was trying to remember. I can't remember. So, well, anyway, I don't think I don't think so. So I want to give the uh, send my uh, condolences out to the Gucci family. Albino was an icon, and uh, Union Street won't be the same when driving by and not seeing him out front, and him yelling at me and stuff like that. So, but he was a good man, and uh, he'll be missed. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor DeLogo. Uh, again, also, I'd like to offer my condolences to the Colucci family, uh, great longtime Franklin family, uh, on their recent loss. Uh, cultural Festival, Councilor Frangelo did a good job of heading that up along with everybody else, getting the word out there. It's not just on the common, it's downtown too, so it's yeah. all over. So there's many different places that you can go and uh, uh, see some many different things going on in the community. Uh, I'd also uh, like to thank uh, our town clerk, Nancy Dallo, and her entire staff for uh, doing a great job uh, yesterday under a little adverse weather conditions. Uh, uh, but, and over the last couple of weeks with early voting and so forth, there's a lot more to elections now than there used to be. So uh, uh, just a, a thank you to Nancy and her entire team. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, the Dean folks for coming in this evening. Uh, Brutus uh, coming forward, as Councilor Jones said, with the. Uh, we learned more about water tonight than I think we've learned in a long time. Yes. So it's a great thing. And uh, the flag piece and the people that came out to talk uh, and voice their concerns uh, as well as their thoughts about uh, the changing of the state flag. And lastly, I'd like to wish Councilor Pellegrini uh, and her husband, a very happy anniversary. Uh, and this is how this is how they've worked for 53 or 4, 50, he couldn't remember. Uh, uh, but the way it works is he's down the Cape, she's up here. <laughs> So <laughs> it makes it easy, but certainly uh, congratulations and happy anniversary to uh, Debbie and Ronnie. And with that, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. Second. So moved. So moved. <laughs>
now is not debatable. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you, one and all. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.